Hello, everybody. I'm Kathy Yang. This is the podcast edition of Business Nightly. Violence marked protests in the Chinese-ruled Hong Kong sparked fiery remarks from Chief Executive Carrie Lam. In a sign of growing frustration, Lam condemned Monday's chaos as a blatant breach of peace and the rule of law. Hong Kong police opened fire at protesters this morning, leaving at least one demonstrator critically injured. Authorities defended a police officer's decision to shoot, saying he was only protecting himself. Lam warned violence would not solve the crisis in the city. If there is still any wishful thinking that by escalating violence, the Hong Kong ASEAN government will yield to pressure to satisfy the so-called political demands, I'm making this statement clear and loud here. That will not happen. Violence is not going to give us any solution to the problems that Hong Kong is facing. Our joint priority now as a city is to end the violence and to return Hong Kong to normal as soon as possible. Amid worries over the latest development of the month-long protests, the Hang Seng Index fell over 2.5%, posting its biggest single-day drop in more than three months. Here in the Philippines, shares slid alongside most Asian markets as hopes for a speedy resolution to the U.S.-China trade front wane. But as Michelle Long tells us, this week's earnings results could be the catalyst the local market needs to push forward. Philippine shares stepped back on Monday, joining a subdued trade in Asia as the U.S.-China trade dominated market sentiment. President Donald Trump has said there will be no full rollback of tariffs on China. Expect third quarter results to be the big news this week as the earnings season starts to wind down. So far, about a third of blue chips have yet to release their reports. Blue chips like Jollibee, Pure Gold, ICTSI, and GT Capital. Earnings are mixed. Revenues so far combined for uh, the index members that have released uh, is up by about uh, is up by 14 percent. About 14 percent for the first nine months of 2019. Net income is up by about 21 percent. We want to see a higher low somewhere around seven nine to eight thousand. If there is a pullback or if there is a consolidation underway, so I think that's a good place where people could who are looking to participate can start buying. Uh, in terms of our outlook for the rest of the year, I think the third quarter earnings season has provided a little bit more optimism. And as we all know, uh, investors are generally going to look towards 2020, where growth is certainly back on track. So I think that optimism should carry, carry or propel the index into around 8,400. For the day, the PSE index lost 56 points, hanging by a thread to the 8,000 level. In the earnings stream, Gutiérrez-led East-West banks stuck to the banking sector's narrative of robust earnings amid easing monetary policy from the central bank. It says it saw improved margins, higher trading gains, and lower credit costs. Meanwhile, Adratan's hotel and leisure township play, Jerry, is also benefiting from a tourism boost, says strong rental and hotel business lifted top line. Meanwhile, the country's largest casual dining chain, the Maxis Group, is confident improving industry conditions and its modernization will help it maintain market leadership. Third quarter bottom line was up 9%. 
And finally, coconut manufacturer Accelum Resources, which IPO'd in October, posts a jump in net income as costs slightly went down, even interest expense and other finance charges. The group says it had to lower its average selling price to compete in the global coconut market to keep its market share. Michelle Long, ABS-CBN News. The Philippine Stock Exchange asserts the large-scale theft that rocked the local stock market last week is not systemic. But as Ron Cruz reports, the PSE also admits there could be other brokerage firms involved in the incident. The Philippine Stock Exchange assures the public the large-scale theft uncovered in one of the country's oldest brokerage firms is not systemic. Last week, RNL Investments Incorporated shut down after losing some 700 million pesos in stocks in a large-scale theft carried out by its settlement clerk. The Capital Markets Integrity Corporation is already investigating the matter. I don't think it's systemic in nature. At the broker level, there are really controls. Like in any financial function, there are internal controls. What broke down in these controls is that for RNL, they had one person doing the trading, the settlement, and the preparation of the reports. They had control of everything. There are very strict rules that you should have separate people doing those functions. But PSE President Ramon Monzon admits the fallout from the incident may be more than meets the eye. On Friday, Vivian Yuchenko, the chairman of the Philippine Association of Securities Brokers and Dealers Incorporated, speculated the RNL Investments fiasco may have involved other brokerages, and the value stolen could be more than the initial 700 million pesos reported. We're trying to find out just exactly if it's only RNL that is involved. The volume was now about two billion plus selling, so. This is only 750 million we're looking at. So there must be some other people involved. We don't know. We cannot tell you. Monzon says the whole thing could have been avoided had the Philippine Depository and Trust Corporation been under the control of the PSE. The way the depository is structured, it can only accommodate the trading participants as the clients. They cannot deal directly with the investors individually because you're talking about millions of KYC requirements. If that were integrated, let's say, with an exchange, the exchange could come up with the infrastructure, the platform, to be able to handle these things. Monzon adds he also supports the Securities and Exchange Commission's push to enforce the NOCD, or Name of Central Depository Rule, which registers all securities in the name of individual investors for more transparency. The CMIC has yet to release a statement on its ongoing probe into the theft at RNL Investments. Its settlement clerk, Marlo Moron, remains in police custody after confessing to the crime. Ron Cruz, ABS-CBN News. Foreign direct investments into the Philippines dipped further, falling by 45.1% in August. Bulk of the $416 million FDI net inflows for the month were in the form of investments in debt instruments. For the January to August period, FDI net inflows stood at $4.5 billion. This is 39.7% lower than the $7.5 billion in net inflows registered last year. The Philippine Central Bank says the decline in FDIs resulted from the contraction in non-residents' net investments in debt instruments and equity capital. It adds the ongoing uncertainty in the global environment continues to dampen investor sentiment, causing postponements in investment plans. 
Analysts see timely budget approval as a crucial support for the Philippine economic growth. But as Joel Caballero tells us, at least one senator is worried there might be another budget impasse. The Philippine Senate officially begins its plenary debates on the proposed 4.1 trillion peso or $81 billion national budget for 2020. Finance Committee Chairman Sonny Angara gave the assurance the Senate is on track to pass the spending bill, which they aim to submit to President Rodrigo Duterte by mid-December. Angara maintains the budget should be passed on time to prevent another slowdown in the Philippine economy. But Senator Panfilo Lacson warns this may not happen. That's if House lawmakers push for what he calls a sneaky 100 billion peso insertion in the measure. Lacson says it was House Speaker Alan Peter Cayetano himself who mentioned that insertion. Cayetano fires back, saying he has nothing to do with the alleged insertion. Ngayon, sasabihin niya, may 500 million sa bawat distrito, bahala na kayo kung pork o hindi. Eh, hindi naman kami naglagay nun, DPWH naglagay nun eh. Yung sinabi kong 50 to 100 billion, yun yung estimate ko nung nakita ko yung bigger picture. For the Philippine economy to grow higher than 6%, Eduardo Olbes of the Security Bank says the 2020 budget should be passed on time. He's optimistic though, Philippine officials have learned their lesson. I think there's been uh, lessons learned in terms of the delayed budget approval last year, and so we see government acting to put the budget approvals in place in a more timely way. A deadlock had delayed the passage of the 2019 budget due to accusations among lawmakers of allegedly anomalous insertions. Those insertions were eventually vetoed by President Duterte. Joel Caballero, ABS-CBN News. The local business community reels from the sudden loss of Mr. Lucio Bongtan Jr. and business mogul Mr. John Gokongwei Jr. While both are sad occasions, Mr. Gokongwei's passing has elicited fond memories from contemporaries. But the passing of Mr. Tan has stirred up feelings of regret. Warren de Guzman reports. Mr. John Gokongwei Jr.'s passing is a sad occasion for the Filipino business community. For Joy Concepcion, presidential advisor for entrepreneurship and owner of Listed RFM, the Philippines lost an icon who inspired many to strive to be the best in business, including himself. When I acquired uh, Cosmos Bopping Company and uh, Selecta Ice Cream, uh, we all looked at uh, these entrepreneur icons. That inspiration allowed me to take a, a big leap of faith to challenge uh, giant brands. Uh. Former Ambassador Roberto Bobby Romulo has a long history of encounters with Gokongwei, having observed Gokongwei's attempt to take over San Miguel. Romulo even tried unsuccessfully to sell a computer system to Gokongwei. While Gokongwei didn't buy, he was impressed and gave Romulo several job offers through the years. Romulo currently sits on the board of Listed Robinson's Retail, and he says Gokongwei was especially impressive because of his business sense and foresight. Years ago, when I was president of IBM Philippines, I even took him on a technology tour in the United States. And his questions were very piercing. 
And everybody said, for an old man, this guy was good. Well, he wasn't that old then. He wasn't 93. He was probably in his 70s. Gokongwei's death comes after the recent passing of other Taipans, including Henry C. Sr. of SM and George T. of Metrobank. Architect June Palafox worked with all of them. He worries the next generation of businessmen might not have picked up a key lesson that helped drive these Filipino businessmen to excel. With this globalization, sometimes there's a reverse discrimination. Like, West is, West is best, imported is better. All these leaders who pass away, who has uh, departed, believe in the Filipino. Filipino talent, um, uh, Filipino brains, and, uh, and experience and expertise. I hope the future generation will be the same. The death of one member of that next generation, Lucio Bong Tan Jr., meanwhile, came as a shock to most. Tan was only recently named president of listed PAL Holdings, but he has over 20 years of experience working in most of the companies of his father, Lucio Tan, in preparation for a more prominent role down the road. Francis Chua, chairman of the Philippine Chamber of Commerce and Industry, says while the Tan family will prove resilient, the loss of Bong Tan is still tragic. It's just unfortunate that he didn't give enough to show his father that he really could outperform his father. I think that has always been his wish. ABS-CBN joins Malacanang and the business community at large in expressing its sincerest condolences to the families of those who have passed on. Warren de Guzman, ABS-CBN News. And that's it for today. This is the podcast edition of Business Nightly. You can watch highlights, recaps, and exclusive content of our shows online. Subscribe to the ANC YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Thank you for joining us.